Eating locally grown food can help you be healthier, contribute to lower pollution, and stimulate the local economy. Welcome to Mind You, a podcast produced by WNIJ that's dedicated to stimulating the intellect and inspiring you to learn something new every day. On this edition of Mind You, we'll hear a Northern Illinois University STEM Cafe talk with Melissa Berlingame, co-manager of NIU's Community Gardens program that explores some of the flaws that make our current food delivery systems so wasteful. Let's listen. Thanks, everyone. I see lots of familiar faces and lots of ones that I don't recognize, which is amazing, which means that this is growing. Um, we love that the local foods in DeKalb and the surrounding area is so uh, popular and that this is a popular topic in this region. Um, and thank you, uh, Judith and the STEM team for inviting us. We really appreciate that. Um, so we're here collected at a place where we're you know, gathering around food and we center a lot of our activities around food but how much do we really think about where our food comes from and how some of the ways that we get our food affects people outside of our own homes. Um, it really has an impact more than just ourselves. Um, I teach a class, Sustainable Food Systems, and we really try to look at you know, like how the food system um, works, what are some ways we can improve it, um, there's no real like silver bullet. I watched a TED talk and someone called it silver buckshot and I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. Um, so as we're talking about local foods here today, uh, I want you to think about what's on your plate, where did it come from, and where could it have come from if it was sourced locally? Is that even an option? Okay. So we have so much food on our planet that is produced, yet we have so many people who don't have enough to eat. And really that boils down to a couple things. Um, and that is, I'm looking at my things, that we have a, what I like to call a flawed food system, in that the people who need the food can't afford the food. The people who need the food don't live where it's being produced. Um, there are political or um, boundary issues that are preventing people from getting the food that they need. Now this isn't just the US, this is around the globe. Um, there are lots of people in the US who are hungry. Um, hunger is caused by poverty and inequality, not by scarcity. We produce more than enough food to feed everyone. Um, let's see, does this work? So you could see, you know, like truckloads and truckloads of melons being shipped uh, across the world. Um, so we have the food. Um, it's just a matter of getting it to the people who need it. And there's not always the systems, transportation, um, political economies, financial set up to make sure that the people who need the food actually are getting that food. Um, one example is, um, sorry, I'm trying to look at my notes at the same time. Um, so the UN Human Rights Council in a 2010 report said that Right now, nearly half of our world's cereal production is used to produce animal feed. So that's an example of a system where we're producing food to feed animals to then feed ourselves. So if we start up here at 100 with our food, we drop it down to, now I'm just making pulling numbers up, but say like 50, 
that's, you know, like now we have 50% of our cereal crops for people, and then those uh, beef, chickens, what have you, you know, are gonna, we're only gonna get another like 10%. So we're reducing how much we can get because we're feeding animals to feed us. I'm not telling you to be a vegetarian. <laughs> not telling you to be a vegetarian. Just telling you to think about how you get your food. <laughs> okay. Um, the other problem is that the people who need the food can't afford the food because of privilege. So who here is eating quinoa? Woohoo! We love quinoa! The people who grow the quinoa can't afford to buy it. Did you know that? The people who grow the quinoa cannot afford to eat the food that they're producing for the privileged people on the planet. So that is an issue you know, about food and how we get food to people. Um, I don't want to depress you. We're here to talk about like what's wrong and we're also here to talk about how do we work, how do we fix it, right? Okay, on the other side, we have food waste. Not just food waste, but food vanity. Um, what do I mean by food vanity? Anyone? We care too much about what it looks like. Okay, uh, how many of you have been to Inboden's? I love Inboden's. Inboden's is a great uh, local uh, place, and they'll sell ugly tomatoes. I love them. They're great. Ugly tomatoes are the ones that actually taste the best. <laughs> They've probably not been refrigerated. They probably haven't been transported too far, and they taste amazing. And they're cheaper because they're not perfect. Anywhere between 30 and 50% of our food that is grown ends up getting wasted because it doesn't meet market standards. It's not what we can sell in the grocery stores. It's not gonna sell on the shelves. So that food sits on the, in the fields, it goes to the landfills or to compost. Compost isn't the first option. If you can, feed it to animals and then put it into the compost and then, yeah. Um, grow enough, take my class if you wanna know more. Sorry, I could go on and on and on. Um, <laughs> The other part is, uh, of food waste is expiration dates and these arbitrary numbers of what we put on, you know, like when do eggs go bad? When is the milk pot past expiration? Um, you know, it, it's still good, but because of health codes for one reason or another, which by the way, we're getting better with, um, that food ends up going and being trashed. Um, there's a really good documentary that was on Netflix called The Global Food Waste Scandal. It's in French, so you watch it in subtitles unless you're fluent. Um, and he uh, goes into a, re a grocery store where because of food co or health codes, and they didn't want people um, pulling food out of the dumpsters, and they didn't want to be liable for that food, um, they pour bleach on it. Perfectly edible food and legal, like policies. You know, like these are the things that we face. Um, you know, there's really good opportunities here in Northern Illinois where we rescue a lot of food so that we don't have to do that. So there's things, as awareness grows, we're finding ways to um, address these problems. So, um, let's see. Do, do, do. Okay. All right. This just goes into a little bit more about why eating um, ugly food is so important. Um, you know, going to the grocery store, you're probably going to get the really nice looking stuff. Um, in here, pay attention to this, the message, not necessarily the tiny words. Um, and the message is that. Um, 
that food that's grown, you know, like locally without attention to what it looks like, but, but is it grown, you know, like in, a, uh, in an ecologically mindful way? is gonna be better for our, us and for the environment and also for other people. So, um, so they have some food facts uh, that are pretty fun here at the bottom that I'll read to you because they are so tiny. Uh, most food travels four to seven days before reaching stores. So you're not getting the most fresh food. Um, on average, food travels 1,300 to 1,500 miles before reaching our grocery store shelves. Yes. Um, and almost every state in the US buys 90% of its food from other states. I like this example that Dan Kenny brings up. He comes and talks to my class and almost always talks about um, pumpkins. Which state grows the most pumpkins in the US? Oh, I love this crowd. You're great. <laughs> um, where do we get our pumpkins from in the grocery store? Overseas. Oh my gosh, it's, it's amazing the uh, lengths that we go to for uh, economies of scale. Sorry, I'm logging back in so I have my notes. Um, here we go, okay. So we've talked a little bit about how the system is flawed uh, in terms of transportation and money. And um, let's talk a little bit about how the system affects the people who are in it. So, the high cost of cheap food. Um, this comic right here is, uh, you know, it's a little crude. There's the agribiz uh, subsidies saying, I got stuffed, what did you get? This is in reference to the farm bill. Um, and then the little skinny scarecrow guy says, the nice shaft, and he represents food stamps. So, in our country, food stamps and uh, agricultural support, um, so uh, subsidies, are in the same um, bill that goes to the House and Senate. So if you're gonna reduce the budget in the US, uh, you know, like, and, and address like the, food, the farm bill, then the easiest way is to reduce subsidies for people. Um, because they're connected, instead of being two separate bills. Um, interesting how DC gets around different things and gets things passed and whatnot. Um, so, um, in 2014, the farm bill that was passed cut um, SNAP benefits, so that's Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. I hate technology sometimes. Um, they cut that by um, $8 billion. Um, $8 billion. That was just for food stamps. That affected 850,000 households, which is about $90 a month in benefits for those families that are affected. $90 to some of us in the room may not seem like a lot, but that's the difference between being able to afford your medicine or pay your electricity bill and be able to eat, you know, like, you know, a good healthy meal. Um, let's see. The other part of the farm bill is in the, um, the way that we subsidize different crops. So someone will be paid not to grow corn for a year or not to grow soybeans or specifically to grow those things. But then when we have this overabundance of uh, particular food, we find a different way to, to use it. We have the corn syrup industry because we had an overabundance of corn. Um, we have the cheese industry because we had to get to find some way to use all the fat that was taken out for low-fat milk. Um, 
and um, the food industry is, if not nothing, they are excellent at marketing and getting us to buy what they put on the market. So, um, one of the things that I was talking about with a professor at NIU, Emily McKee, um, you know, I'm teaching a class next fall, and we're going to be looking at, um, uh, you know, like how can we make uh, NIU more environmental? And then I was talking about, you know, like trying to always, you know, in, um, update the classes that I teach. And she's like, you should have your students look at the farm bill, look at specific pieces. And I was like, that's an amazing idea. I'm so going to do that. Because understanding the farm bill and how it affects everyday citizens is super important. It's something that is so large that affects the food that we eat, and we just don't think about that. Um, it'll subsidize, you know, like um, monoculture, so like single crop farmers, but not necessarily, you know, like Marcy and Chris, who are growing a whole variety of vegetables, but it's not the stuff that is targeted by the, na the national government. So, okay, enough about policy stuff, that's boring. Um, <laughs> how does this affect us? What do you see here? A person who has enough calories to, you know, like, to survive, but a person who doesn't have enough nutrition to be healthy. So one of the things we really focus on in this country is, in, you know, like in global food epidemic type stuff is making sure that people have enough calories. Um, so a person who lives in a food desert, a place that's not, you know, doesn't have access to fresh food on a regular basis, you know, that person might be able to get enough food, calorie-wise, 2,000 or more calories a day, but won't have a good varied diet. They won't have the fresh fruits and, excuse me, vegetables, and they'll be vitamin and nutrient deficient. So they'll suffer from all these different diseases. And that's really a result of a flawed food system. Um, something that needs to be fixed, again, with that, that buckshot, you know, like, looking at local foods and looking at um, how do we, you know, fund, an, you know, like uh, large-scale agriculture. We can't get rid of large-scale agriculture, not easily at least. I think that we have to do both. We have to find different creative ways to work with each other. Um, and look at making people pay for the true cost of their food. So here's some things that I have that are not usually included in the true cost of your food that we pay for in other ways. So there's the cost of soil erosion. So um, from not keeping crops in the ground or cover crops. There's um, water and irrigation costs, pesticide, wastewater runoff, taking care of dead zones in the south, um, hidden health costs like obesity and food-related public health. So uh, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, all these things. Um, and then there's things that we don't always associate as a, an external cost, but it's like low wages for food workers, you know, um, who have to live off of government subsidies. Um, there's an example that I read of a Walmart in Ohio holding a food drive in its store for its own employees. I, it, it's just... It's hard to really just come to grips with, and it makes you feel a little overwhelmed. But that's where Dan really comes in. Um, we're not there yet, but. Um, so buying local doesn't solve all these problems. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't bother with it. You really should support local, support seasonal foods, support 
a diverse, you know, like where you get your foods from, and really just knowing a little bit more about your food. Um, some of the benefits, and I, Dan, are you going over this? Ah, uh, maybe. Some of the, okay. Um, some of the benefits, they really, of local food and knowing your local farmers are, you know, several fold. So we've got increases to local income. So we've got people who are living, you know, like making their, um, doing entrepreneurship, living off the land in more than just food, but also income. Uh, we're reinvesting money in the local economy. 70% of, you know, like food dollars goes back into the food uh, local economy as if you, instead of buying from Walmart, it goes elsewhere. Uh, we are creating habitat, habitat for pollinators, habitat for critters. Uh, we're increasing better land management practices, so taking better care of the soil. Um, the soil is an organism of organisms. It is so diverse. We need to be really careful of how we take care of the soil so that we don't get another dust bowl, right? Um, address food deserts. So that's the community. So taking care of our neighbors and making sure that they have equitable access to food. Um, and nutrition variety is another um, option or benefit. Um, and then building community and health, you know, like, isn't it nice to know farmers and get to know who's growing your food or learning how to grow your own food? Fun stuff. So the before I turn it over to Dan, I didn't want to talk for too long. Um, what I almost always, when I'm talking about environmental issues, when I'm talking about how to eat better, um, we get caught up in the, like, well, I can't do everything, and then we end up doing nothing. So think about it instead of trying to be perfect. Think about it as, what, what small thing can I do? Do that, strive for better none of us are ever going to be perfect, right? But if you can do one small thing, then you're improving it just a little bit. And then you get used to that, and then you make another small step. And then you get kind of used to that. So you're making small, realistic, incremental change that's not too overwhelming. So you might start by supporting the DeKalb County Community Gardens. You might start by supporting Trogs Hollow or going to Inbodens to get you know, more locally sourced food as opposed to going to um, Walmart. So um, the, gra the graphic just tells you like you're hearing all these things in your ear that are like yelling at you, do this, do that. Pick what works for you and do that. That was Melissa Berlingame, co-manager of NIU's Communiversity Gardens, giving a STEM Cafe lecture on local farms, community gardens, and access to healthy food. Support for Mind You comes from Northern Illinois University. Your future, our focus. Find out more at niu.edu. You can find more podcasts of Mind You at wnij.org or on iTunes. Mind You is produced in collaboration with NIU Steamworks by WNIJ, where you learn something new every day.